I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of tears. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robox. But this is one of those... Ooh, <gasps> special secrets episodes that we call Sideborg. And Stephen Murray, you decided to do a Sideborg because we have recently encountered a real-life robot in the form of Electro, who plays Sam Thinko in the film Sex Kittens Go to College. Thinko is never wrong. Yes, he appears in a film. That's how famous he was. And like you were saying, he was built in the, sort of the late 30s. Um... And, and 1937. 1937, and was and was featured at the the World's Fair in New York in 1939, and yet in 21 years later, he became the star of a raunchy sex comedy. <laughs> sex kids go to college. He did have a life in between. What did he do he, in between? So he appears yeah. in the 1939 film The Middleton Family at the New York's World Fair. He also appeared in an episode of Science Fiction Theatre. He appeared in an, in a game show, an episode on TV, but um, it's pretty vague about the name of that game show. Then he worked <laughs> at a carnival in California. Then he disappeared, and then his head turned up in a basement and his body turned up in a barn in a house in Mansfield. And oddly enough, the person who bought the house that found the parts was a relative of the original man who built him. Wow, that's interesting. And he's, the other interesting thing I thought that uh, you were talking about on the Sex Kittens Goes to College uh, episode was that that he was part of a family of robots. Yeah, they accidentally became experts at building robots at the Westinghouse company. Westinghouse Electric Corporation was huge, still is huge, it's massive, it's got a vast, vast history. But it started out by delivering electricity uh, to the, the country through its technology, through transformers. Now, those aren't robots. Those... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been astonishing. Know. They ended up actually buying CBS Television Network in 1995. They're massive. And they, they sort of, at this time in the 30s, they accidentally become brilliant at making robots. Yeah, and um, so one of the guys there tinkered around and made this robot and they decided that it would be a really interesting way of selling their white goods because by this time they'd moved into electrical goods for the home so the yeah. this genius idea of saying instead of showing people irons and fridges they would show people this robot and then people would think uh, if westinghouse could make these incredible advanced robots imagine how great their new refrigerators must be it yeah. was brilliant a brilliant idea so we've got, obviously, Electro, but Electro wasn't the first, was he? No. The first was Herbert Televox. <laughs> that is so good. I love that so much. 1927. Cost $22,000. Wow. That seems like that must have been quite a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Can I do my thing? Can I do my thing? Oh, go on then. <laughs> can, I, can I work out how much that's <laughs> worth in today's money? Oh. It's the equivalent of about... Uh, $383,000. Wow. That's a lot of money for tinkering. Yeah, that is a lot of tinkering money. So what he was playing with was this idea that if something's happening in one of the um, transformer stations, 
that instead of sending a man there, you could telephone the machine and use sound to get a report back. So it was a kind of a sound device. So to just start with, they were making robots for to help them with their actual work rather than as marketing tools like you were just saying yeah and what he did was it came in two units and he stacked one on top of the other and it ended up kind of looking human and someone suggested that he he mocked it up as a human and if you have you seen a picture of it yeah i have yeah it looks like wallace from wallace and gromit it's just flat (laughs) then they made katrina van televox and she was more of a servant so now we're getting into this concept of these robots being servile then in 1929, Telelux came along, the brother of Televox, Vox for sound and Lux for light. So Telelux would operate with flashing lights. Okay. Now, there's no photographs of Telelux, but we do have photographs of 1930s Rastus, a black robot known yes. as a mechanical Negro. Yes. In the show notes, I'm going to attach a video, which is called Thinking AI Through Rastus Robot the Westinghouse mechanical slave, Simone Brown. She does a brilliant sort of introduction to him, but also sort of like channels AI through him as well. Um, oh, cool. And I have not seen that. I'll, I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. You can look at it in the show notes. Brilliant. There is a reason why he might be black, which is because they started using rubber instead of metals and rubber came in one color. Okay. That might be the reason. Okay. That's as far as I got with that. But again, it goes along the line of these are servile, they're servants. Yes. Looking back through things that we've spoken about already, that is an idea that is already in play though, isn't it? Because of Rossum's universal robots. Yeah. And the fact that robot means slave. Yes, exactly. Carol Capek. In, is it Czech? Uh, Yeah, it was Czech. Yeah. So that's the ro- word robot is sort of like intrinsically linked with the idea of, of servitude. In 1931 came Willy Vocalite. Yeah. Which is a predecessor to Electro. So yeah. he could do more things. And then in 1937, we got Electro, uh, which cost in the region of $300,000. 300,000 of that time's dollars. Yes. Hang on, hang on. I've got to <laughs> Go do my on. job. got to do my job. So $300,000. In 1937. Okay, so sort of about $6.5 million. They were in now. They were, they were well into it. Um, the, this robot came with a platform that was elevated, which held a lot of the walking mechanism. Because if you see the video, um, he kind of glides, and yeah. then the operator turns him round. He can't, he can't pivot, can he? He can only sort of move in the direction that he's facing. Yeah. But he was a big advance to all the other robots. Yeah. And he was a bit sassy. He always yes. used to refer to his operator as toots. <laughs> you know, were, were there no ends to his talents? Okay, so we've got Electro being built in 1937, and, and Electro then is the result of a, of a long period, a decade or more's worth of robot building by the Westinghouse Corporation. Yeah, which started in 1927, which is the year that Metropolis came out. Absolutely. And there is something of the Metropolis about these robots, I think. Not, none are as beautiful. No, but no, they're not beautiful at all. No, but they are. There's something statuesque about them, though, I think. Yeah, but this, again, keys into the theme of this, this podcast. Why did they make them look like that and not like 
um, Maria because th- that was there. Yeah. And everybody, everybody knew about it and it was beautiful. So why make something as big and as clunky and as sexist as Electro? <laughs> but do you think that's because they're being built, they're not being built by people for whom design is the important thing? Ah, no, that, you've hit on a point there because I think every single one of these robots we'll look at, they're not, they're designed by engineers. Yeah. What they look like is is the sort of least important aspect, I suppose, to the people who are making them. That's really interesting. I am really interested. Well, you are now for for (laughs) 30 seconds. (laughs) So if Electro was going on in America, what was going on in the United Kingdom robot-wise at that time? We had Eric, the first British robot, which was built in 1928. He's built by a First World War veteran called Captain William Richards. And he's an aircraft engineer, and that'll come up again with another robot. Okay. And he was also built by Alan Reffel. And why was he built? Well, this is quite interesting because he was constructed. uh, He was originally, uh, there was a, the Society of Model Engineers at London's Royal Horticultural Hall in 1928 was going to be opened by the Duke of York, but he cancelled. Okay. And these two guys were absolutely furious, and they decided to create a man of tin Amazing. to take the Duke's place. Uh, amazing. Very uh, much like the tub of lard on Have I Got News For You when Roy Hattersley cancelled. Wow. They replaced him with a tub of lard. <laughs> they did. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so it's really he was built out of spite and anger. He was kind of built in a British kind of Boy Scouty kind of way. Yeah. Whereas, well, if we can't have the Duke, then we'll have a robot. <laughs> I have my robot badges. <laughs> that is brilliant. And he did, and he opened it. He did a four-minute opening address. Oh, my God. That seems like that's like more advanced than um, Electro. No, he wasn't. But, I mean, Electro couldn't do four minutes. Yeah, he could. He could talk for four minutes. Could he? Yeah, yeah. But all he would say is, hello. I've got a brain. (laughs) Like my cigarette. (laughs) He did go on tour as well. And in America, somebody uh, called him Eric the Robot, the man without a soul. (laughs) (laughs) That's very harsh. But maybe that gives us some inkling as to what the four-minute address was about. Something very bleak and dark. Warmongering. Yes. <laughs> I have great pleasure in introducing to you Eric the Robot. I am very proud to feel I have produced the ideal man, at least from a woman's point of view, because he does what he is told. I've seen a picture of uh, Eric the Robot. Um, from 1928, and he, I'd say he looks a bit better, but a bit more thoughtfully designed than Electro. He could, he could sit and stand, whereas yeah. Electro couldn't. He basically looks a bit like a knight in armour. Yeah, he does. And he's got a sort of crown on his head. <laughs> in the picture I've got, it also looks like he's got crowns on his knees as well. <laughs> he does have flourishes. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? But he's also, crucially, got the letters R-U-R on his tummy. 
He does Rossum's Universal Robots. Now, what is that? Just is that just the designers giving a nod to to Rossum's? Was there any other reason why that might? No, have been? I think that was the reason why they'd made a robot, even though in in the play they're humanoid robots. So after his tours of America and through Europe, Eric went missing, and still to this day, is missing. <gasps> they don't know what happened to him. <gasps> but, but science museum curator Ben Russell for an exhibition uh, at the Science Museum, decided he would like to have Eric there. But of course, Eric doesn't exist anymore, or we don't know where he is. Mm. So he they rebuilt him. Um, Giles Walker, who's kind of a, um, he's more of an artist as opposed to a, a roboticist, mm. uh, was given the task of rebuilding him. Uh, there are no plans. And so Giles literally did it by eye um, from um, photographs. And that was in 2015-16. And then when it went on display, it was voiced by Ben Russell, the curator. And it's there now. If you want to go to the Natural History Museum, Eric the Robot is there. And he does look blooming beautiful. He does look beautiful. Doesn't he? Yeah, I must yeah. admit. Yeah. When he stands up, it looks amazing. Yeah. So we've got the Westinghouse robots. We've got Eric the Robot from the United Kingdom. What else? What else is in your bag of real-life robots? Alpha the robot, another British robot from 1932. Yeah, Alpha the problematic robot. Alpha the problematic <laughs> robot. So he's, he's Alpha the robot is on stage with his creator. Yeah. And the, the creator's asking him questions. Yeah. And wowing the audience. And they're all basically, it's basically like, who do you fancy? Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? <laughs> but it's do very like, creepy. It is very creepy. Do you like little boys? No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, do you like little boys? No. Well, do you like little girls? No. Sweet. Well, do you like the ladies? All right, I'll link to the video in the show notes because it is, it's definitely worth watching. It's about a minute of just like, <gasps> yeah, oh my it's God. horrible. But, um, and then, and then, it, then, it, then the famous thing about Alpha the robot is it shoots a gun and this was his act. And like a lot of these robots, they were like, they, they were like sideshows at carnivals. Yeah. Um, but there is a story from America that, um, Alpha, the robot, was on stage, full audience, and uh, the operator went to adjust something at the back of the stage, and, and Alpha stood up, raised the gun, the audience screamed, the operator turned around, put his hand up, and Alpha shot through his hand, <laughs> and, then, and then calmly put his arm down and sat back down. <laughs> but that story might not be true, might it? No, it's an exaggeration. Something yeah. did happen, whereas the the robot was not responding to controls, yeah. the control voice. I've got a, a, a version, uh, a, a news article that says a much tamer version of the story was reported in far fewer newspapers, uh, but still contained the sensationalist headline, Maker is shot by a robot he invented. Uh, in this version of the story, the uh, the inventor was inserting a cartridge into the gun, which was attached to the robot, and an accidental premature discharge simply burned the inventor's hand. Ah, okay. So that might have been it, but it still is a... 
still is a robot shooting a gun at somebody, isn't it? It's a headline maker, Matt. Hold the front page. Now, don't you think, though, this sort of really feeds into um, something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, which is a fear of technology, particularly a fear of robots? A fear of robots taking over jobs. And so that's probably why this article got blown out of all proportions and then spread the, yeah. the sensational part of it. But I mean, the, the, the notion of, of robots taking over, robots hurting people, technology hurting people is, is such a massive trope in science fiction films, yeah. isn't it? Beginning um, of the 30s, you had the Depression and people were were desperate about their lives. It wasn't just about their livelihood. They were desperate about their lives. You know, yeah. they were trying to get work anyway. So, and this was going to sell newspapers with the headline, you know, robot shoots maker. <laughs> um, and then towards the end of the 30s into the 40s, you, you had this expectation that technology was going to gonna help everybody. Yeah. But in the early 30s, no, they were terrified. Well, I mean, look at um, Metropolis. That is essentially like a robot gone mad, isn't it? A little bit more geopolitical, and and because it was in Europe and Germany, there was a there was a few things going on in Germany <laughs> round about that time, Matt. Were there? Right. There was something brewing. <laughs> I'd just like to say that Alpha um, had two personas because there was a female version of him, whereas the head would come off and a new head would go on with with flicks flicked bobbed hair, and uh, and a pair of breasts. So. Um, Alpha was quite modern. This Alpha could could be, be gender fluid. Yeah, Alpha could be gender fluid. It's political correctness gone mad. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> but it begs the question, what persona was Alpha in when it shot the gun? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Okay. All right, so look, we'll leave it there for this sideboard. There are loads of other real-life robots. So we should do another episode, I think, on real-life robots. Yeah, there's some very interesting ones that come up through the 50s and 60s. Well, well, let's not discuss them. Let's not discuss anything interesting now. No, that sounds excellent. Yeah, so we've we've covered off 20s and 30s real-life robots. And make sure you have a listen to the episode that came out a couple of weeks ago, set on sex kittens, go to college. It's an extraordinary film (laughs) that features Electro in that. Um, But it's well worth a listen if you want to catch up. And don't forget the show notes. All of the stuff we've been talking about will feature in there. Okay, on to our next film. We're going to step outside of our 50 years because there's a little anniversary that we want to celebrate. Um, One of our friends of the show, Mark Stay, 10 years ago was in the process of making a film about robots called Robot Overlords. Uh, so on the next show, we're going to get Mark in. We're going to have a chat about that. Ten years on. Right? Okay? Yes, good. <laughs> Look forward to it. Right, okay. So thanks very much for listening. Tell all your friends. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Tell me, do you like little boys? <laughs> <laughs>